Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter number five. Once you've found that, if you want to just kind of hold your place there, we're going to get there in just a few minutes. Today, I want to begin sharing with you. The Lord has been speaking to my heart leading up to this year for our focus this not really this just this year but really uh an emphasizing of this thought really for our future and that's about being healthy believers now i understand the beginning of the year uh one of the Traits is for everybody to get on a new diet and change their eating, and that's not the kind of healthy I'm talking about. My heart has been for healthy believers spiritually, healthy believers emotionally, healthy believers mentally. I have been challenged by the passage of Scripture in 3 John. 3 John 1 and 12 says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Really what John is saying there to Gaius, he says, I want your body and I want your life to prosper in the same way your spirit man has prospered. Often we get those two things switched around and our goal is I want to be healthy physically and that's a good thing. But more importantly, I want my spirit man to be healthy. A healthy believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are body, we are mind, we are spirit. And when any one of those things is filled with sickness and disease, it has a profound effect on the remaining ones. So throughout the year, we're going to be taking on some topics and looking at some issues and dealing with our health as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I want to begin that process really by looking at a foundational truth that, I'll be honest with you, I I don't know that we'll get through everything this morning because I just want to be able to take some time and talk about some of these foundational truths and We're going to walk through them together. It's the foundational truth that is absolutely essential to our spiritual health. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about the word forgiveness. Often we talk about forgiveness and most of what we talk about when we deal with forgiveness is about when someone has offended me, me forgiving them. I want to set that over on the, we'll set that on the sidelines for today. I want to take some time today and talk about forgiveness between us and the Father. Forgiveness is one of those issues we've got to come to an understanding of because 
unless we understand the process of forgiveness, we will continue to walk around as believers in a state of constant defeat, spiritual discouragement, never enough, never understanding, never worthy of the grace of Almighty God. And it seems as though when that's the case, we are standing on the outer banks of what God has created us to live, the life he's created us to live in. We're standing on the outer banks of it all, never really coming to an understanding that he really, really loves us. God doesn't just tolerate you. But he is passionate about you. Without an understanding of forgiveness, we can never come to that understanding of his great love for us. You see, his love and his forgiveness are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Forgiveness is one of those foundational truths that is so vital in our walk with Christ because without forgiveness, we just, in, in communion, we talked about the blood of Jesus Christ provides forgiveness of sin for us. Without that truth, there is no hope of heaven. There is no hope of eternity in Jesus Christ. There is no hope of us being together once again with our loved ones for all eternity. But there is good news for us. Though we have sinned, though we have transgressed God's laws, Though from time to time we have willingly chosen the wrong choice, there is forgiveness for God's people. That's the good news. Somebody say good news. That's the good news of the gospel. 1 John 1 and 9, you know it well. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all. Say all. Not just a little bit, but from all unrighteousness. That's the good news. How many of y'all like good news? Amen. I never see anybody comes up and says, anybody got any bad news for me today? We all want good news. The only people who like bad news is the news networks. Everybody else likes to hear some good news. But it has been said, you can't really appreciate the power of the good news until you understand the bad news. No one gets excited about a solution to a problem that is not a reality for their life. You take someone who's battling stage four cancer, the word cure means a whole lot more to somebody who's not dealing with it. Sometimes when we understand the emphasis of the bad news, we have a greater appreciation for the good news. This morning we're going to take some time and for a few minutes, I know you came to be encouraged, but for a few minutes we're just going to talk about some bad news for a little bit. We're going to work our way to the good news and allow the good news to become the incredible blessing in our lives, the good news to bring a life change in us. The good news is forgiveness. The good news is totally set free. The good news is new creation. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm new. I'm a new creation. That's the good news. The bad news 
is sin. Sin is the problem. How many of you would say sin has been a problem in my life? We are all sinners born into sin. Sin has been an issue. It's not like there was a select few that were born and sin wasn't an issue for them. We're all prone to sin. See, here's the problem with sin. There, there are times, and, and in case you think I've forgotten, we're still working to Luke 5, so keep holding it there. We're going to get there. There are times you will read a passage, especially in the Gospels, and, and Jesus will say something to the disciples or some of the people, and you think, what did he mean by that? They're asking one thing. Jesus says something that seems totally opposite. That's what we find here in Luke 5. I want you to look there with me. This is a story. Some men have brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. They've arrived. Many of you know this story. It's a great story. They got there. The crowd is so big they can't get him in. So some of his buddies were on the creative sorts. They went up on the roof, tore a hole in the roof. Lowered him down right in front of Jesus. That's the story we have here. Look with me, if you will. Luke chapter number 5, verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees of the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Well, notice this. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. He's the healer. Can you say amen? amen? Verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, Lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith. Didn't hear about it, just saw it. How many of you know faith is action? Not wishful thinking. Faith is action. Listen, think about the faith of these guys. It's like going to your house. Jesus is coming over for supper and the house is packed and, and y'all sitting there around the table enjoying company and all of a sudden somebody starts tearing a hole in your roof. How I many you know that might be a problem for most of us? But they said, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. They took action and the Bible says, Jesus saw their faith and then notice this, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd been there in that day and I'd been a part of this story, I would have probably looked at one of my other buddies and said, obviously, he didn't get the memo. This was not about he, uh, forgiveness. This is about healing. Our, our, our friend is sick. Our friend is paralyzed. And the first thing Jesus says and. And when you look at it from a logical standpoint, you go, Jesus has missed something here. But actually what we find is actually Jesus is right on. 
He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. What we don't understand often is that sickness and sin are closely related. It has been said that sin is at the root and the very core of every human problem. Sin is behind everything that's wrong in our world. The problems we're facing in Washington today is a sin problem. The problems we're facing in Indiana and in Grant County are a result of sin. Sin is behind every problem of every substance of everything in this universe. Sin is even a problem with the planet we live on. I just feel challenged right now to say something. I made a statement a moment ago and... and uh, I said to you that sin and sickness are very closely related, and they are. But if you're here today and you're dealing with sickness and the enemy is telling you it's because of you, because of past things, he's a liar and the father of all lies. The truth is sickness has its origins in the beginning in sin. Don't let the enemy lie to you today. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Can you say amen to that? Sin is a problem with everything that affects everything we do on planet Earth. Every bit of our existence. When the curse of sin became a part of man's existence, it also became a part of the planet's existence. Global warming is not the issue as much as sin is the issue. The crazy weather, the changes in all the earth and all the parts of the earth are a sin problem. Why? Romans 8 verses 19 and 221 tells us, For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Notice this, against its will. All creation was subjected, subjected, excuse me, to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Earthquakes, famine, drought, violent storms, on and on and on the list can go, come as a result of the curse of sin that has been laid upon the earth. The earth groans to be lifted from the curse. Not only is every planet problem related to sin, but every human problem is related to sin. Every struggle that we have, every tragedy, every disease because of sin, every cancer, every heart problem, every debilitating disease is because sin. It was not in God's original plan nor design for man. Remember back in the book of Genesis in the account of creation when God made everything and he finished with everything and said this phrase, it is what? Good. It is good. It is good. Good was God's original intent. The world was made good. The human body was made good. When sin entered the picture, a cataclysmic event took place and nothing has been the same since. Sin brought to the planet, to mankind, the power of death and decay. 
Not only does it touch our physical bodies, it most importantly touches our soul. Every act of greed, every act of selfishness is because of sin at the core. Every time we break God's law, every time someone's violated or wounded at the hands of another, every action that elevates self and demoralizes another is because of sin problem of the soul. Crimes against women, crimes against children, the reason we have policemen on our streets, the reason we have jails and prisons. We want to blame it solely on the environment that people grow up in and the things that have happened to them for their problems. But the root cause of it all is sin. Sin is the problem. Sin is the problem in the environment. It is a, a, a case of the environment they grew up in. It's called a sinful environment. Sin is the reason why things have happened to them. Prideful egos, quest for power, selfishness, the sexual sins, the perversion of our culture running rampant. It's only getting worse. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says evil men will go from bad to worse. Sin is the problem. If we don't identify the problem, we'll never find the cure. He said, your sins are forgiven. Notice, he did not say to the man, your habits, your hang-ups, your bad choices, your bad things. He said, your sins are forgiven. We are in a day we're trying to excuse everything. We're trying to make ourselves look better, feel better, be better. I'm all for being better. But you can't be better till you get a cure. The problem is not a bad habit. The problem is sin at the heart. The problem is not, oops, I did it again. The problem is sin at the heart. The problem is, oh, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a rough thing. I fight. No, it's a sin thing. You and I fight. We need to call it what it is. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin. Sin is our enemy. Sin is the thing that has set itself against us and the plan that God has for us. It's not bad habits that will destroy your life. It's sin that will destroy your life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Friends, the bad news is today we're all born sinners. We're all plagued with a sinful nature. We are sinful, not because somebody taught us, we are sinful by our nature. It comes to us naturally. No parent teaches their child to be selfish. No parent teaches their child to demand their own way. No parent teaches their child to lie, to cheat, to steal. It's in our inner man. When you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you'll find that God sets forth His law. We are lawbreakers by nature. How many of y'all ever broke the law? I think I missed some of them in there. How many of y'all ever broke the law? How many of you know this? If you drive 72, that's breaking the law. I'm preaching to the choir. 
because I drive 73. <laughs> because 73 is not as bad as 76. Yeah. Are we good at rationalizing our breaking the law? Why? I'm in a hurry. You get a ticket for being in a hurry. It's tax time. You'll get a penalty for cheating on your taxes. You'll probably get a penalty from God for cheating. I'm going to leave that for another week. God and the IRS will be in cahoots. Yeah. We're lawbreakers by nature. God had to put his law in place because without it, sin would continue to have its way in the lives of his creation. Look at a couple thoughts, and as you consider the Ten Commandments, you know them. Number one, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Nothing more important in your life than God, period, period. Nothing at all, not a possession, not a person, not a personal aspiration, nothing at all. Anything else in our life that takes precedent over God is sin. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever struggle with that? Yeah, I think we all have, haven't we? Next, he says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God in every area of your life. In every action, in every way, you should never do anything that misuses the name of the Lord our God. Honor your father and your mother. Don't ever do anything that would bring dishonor to your mother or your father. Notice he doesn't put an age restriction on that. He doesn't say until 18 or until 21, and after that you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. He just makes a blanket statement. Honor your father and your mother. Always honor your father and mother. Honor them always to do otherwise is sin. You shall not murder. We all feel pretty good about that one, don't we? 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Anyone you who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. Sin is at the root. Sin is at the core. Sin is the cause. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, most of us feel pretty good about that one too. But Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 28, But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You can't look at pornography and not commit adultery. Every time that you look at a woman... In a way that you're only supposed to look at your wife, it's adultery. It's getting quiet in the house today. That's real. That's not my opinion. That's not my. I'm just telling you, the honest truth is, I, I think if we just, 
you know, there, the, the, the days of not being real, if we're going to talk about being healthy believers, we need to talk real for a little bit. Um, I would say statistically they tell us the church is full of adulterers. And it's not the ones who go out and have a one-night stand. Men and women alike, um, through their phone, through their iPad, through their computer, lustfully look at women and men. Would you please hear me today as your pastor? It's sin. It is a bad, um, it's like a bad drug. I didn't plan on going here. We're going to go here. It's like a bad drug. Paula has often uh, said to me, why is it that there are men who have beautiful wives and yet they get caught in adultery or pornography? Because it doesn't have anything to do with whether their wife is beautiful or not. It has to do with sin sin issue. It's a sin issue at the core and the heart. Oh, Jesus. Um, there would have been a time I would have said, I would have preached this to the men. I would preach this to all of you. Statistically, they tell us that our kids see pornography the first time between the ages of 8 and 10. It is rotting the soul. It is rotting the soul out of our marriages. It is rotting your soul away. No matter what excuse we've given, you, you know why porn out. Lord, just give me the you know why pornography is so popular? Because our sinful nature craves it. Our sinful nature likes it. That's why it's like a bad drug. <laughs> Friends, if you are snared right now, um, if you're snared right now in the trap of pornography, I encourage you in a couple things. I want to encourage you, number one, is run to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And then I encourage you to run for someone that can walk the journey with you. Okay. Um, lots of people say, well, I just want to lay it down. And there might be a few people that can do that, walk on and, and walk the victory. But most, I would tell you, that I walk journeys with in life can't do that. Listen. I need to pray for you right now. I'm sorry. I just feel leading the Lord this morning. I really don't care about what I get through the notes. I want the Lord to do what he wants to do. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person in this room. And I pray, Father, for every person in this room that is battling today with pornography and lust and um, illicit sexual behavior. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, today... I pray today, I pray today in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that's bound that today freedom would come to their life. 
I pray in the name of Jesus that every person that has been bound, that has been roped in, who has been noosed today, that has been chained to pornography and uh, illicit sexual thoughts and behaviors in the name of Jesus, Lord. Uh, I pray right now they'll just begin to call out on you. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, forgiveness, the, the new creation, the new way, the change. Lord Jesus, I believe you're able to bring change in every life, in every home, in every marriage, in every person. Father, we can't go on and be healthy if we're constantly tied to a cancer. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for freedom. I pray in the name of Jesus for freedom. I pray in the name of Jesus for freedom. I pray, Lord, that you would walk up and down every aisle between every seat in this room. And I pray in the name of Jesus, those that have felt helpless, those who have felt like they couldn't get what they need, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, you just reach down and touch their life right now. Jesus, we sang about it, we sang about it earlier. You change everything. Lord, I pray, Lord, your word says you would take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, a heart that would serve you. Lord, I pray in this moment, first of all, I pray you'll change our hearts. Change our hearts. Change our hearts in the name of Jesus. Change our hearts in the name of in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for healing in the minds. God, those who uh, walk through the day and their minds are filled with sexual thoughts and fantasies. In the name of Jesus, I pray for healing in your mind as you come to Jesus for forgiveness. I pray a healing will take place in your mind and in your life. You are a healer in every area of our lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray this uh, ball and chain, these shackles would be broken off in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Friends, listen, if you continue to walk this path, it's, it's like walking with stage four cancer and thinking to yourself, it will never affect me. It is affecting you. And it will destroy your life. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus changes everything. Woo! The world says we'll put a new suit. God says I'll change the man in the suit. The world says we need to get you in change of mind. Jesus says I'll give you a new mind. Jesus changes everything. In the name of Jesus, you can be free. In the name of Jesus, that yoke can be not broken, destroyed. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, you can live in an impure world and be pure. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wow. He went on to say, don't steal. Don't lie about anything at any time and any place. Man, maybe we should have just stopped and spent a few weeks on the Ten Commandments, huh? To lie is sin. He says, don't covet. 
Don't desire what isn't yours. Don't wish you had your neighbor's house. Don't wish you had your neighbor's car, his money, his wife. Don't covet things. That's just 10 things. Those were things that God said, don't go here, don't indulge in sin in these areas. I heard someone say sometime back, we are determined sinners. Very little can stop man's passion for sin. Psalm 51 and 5 says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From birth, there is nothing we are as devoted to as humans as sin. You don't have to encourage anyone to sin. You don't have to tell them, don't get discouraged, keep on sinning. You don't have to try to do that. What we have to try to do is encourage them to give up sinning. Sinning is what comes natural. We encourage you, do right. We encourage you, stay away from sin. We encourage you, live for Jesus Christ. No, we determined, but we are diseased. Sin is a great spiritual disease. Genesis 6 and 5 says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every, notice this phrase, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Kind of describes our world today, doesn't it? Sin has been described in this way. It's a virus of the soul. It's gangrene of the heart. It's eating away at the fabric of your being and will continue to do so until it consumes you. Not only are we diseased, but we're deceived. We're deceived about sin and its consequences. When we talk about it, we something in our psyche says that's not true for me. It's not that way for me. It might be somebody else, but I've got control of this. Yet we continue to walk a path we know that is not right, and somehow we have convinced ourselves that it, it, it's okay because it feels right. I remember sitting across the table from a man, a friend of mine, who had been involved in an affair and he said to me these words, I know it's not right, but it just feels right. We are deceived. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad the human heart is? You can believe the lies, and you can come to the place you think it's all going to be okay please hear me today it will never be okay with sin you and I are not controlling sin's outcome for our lives it's controlling our outcome we're deceived and we are destined Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. The good news, 
The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. We're going to go into some of that next week. I just feel prompted again. Just We're just going to close our time right now this morning. Paul, if you'll come and join me. We're just going to close our time this morning uh, for a few minutes together, just asking the Lord to cleanse us. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I thought I was all so right and I was oh so wrong. And it really was until the Holy Spirit put his finger on things in my life. And the Holy Spirit helped me to understand that things brought change to my life. Jesus wants to bring change to your life. Jesus wants to bring change to your home. Jesus wants to bring change to your marriage. Jesus wants to bring change to your relationship with your kids. Jesus wants to bring change. Jesus wants to bring change. But friend, as long as sin is reigning, as long as sin has the upper hand in our lives, Jesus can't bring the change. It's kind of like having an open wound that is festering, it is full of disease, it is full of gangrene. And saying, I know it's there, but it's okay. And for a season of our lives, we can do that. We can take and we can put a Band-Aid over it. We can cover it up. We can say, see, look, everything's okay. I'm still functioning. I'm still doing. I'm still going through life. And I'm not slowed down. I'm able to work. I'm able to function in life. See, it's there. Yes, it's there. But it's not stopping my life. It's not destroying me. But every day that you and I live with that thing in our lives, it continues to eat away it continues to rob us of life. And really what it's doing, it's propagating death inside of us. Friends, that's what sin will do in our lives. There's a time all of us have thought, I'm in control of it. I, I've got this thing. Actually, actually, you don't have control of it. It has control of you. This morning, I just want us to, we're going to close our time right where you're at. I just want to encourage you to talk to Jesus today. Here's, here's how I'm going to pray, and I'd like to encourage you to join me. Lord, I want every area of my life to be clean before you. My pastor, Pastor Don, our district superintendent, tells us all the time, no parts dark. God, I don't want a dark part, not even in the corner of my heart, not in the corner of my life. God, I don't, I don't want any. God, I want to be clean. Want to be clean? Would you bow your heads all across the room? I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and as I do, I want to encourage you right where I just talk to Jesus. 
friend, if you know, if there's some sin you've been wrestling with, bring it to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't, I don't know of anything particular. It's all right just to say, Lord, I, I may not know of anything. If there is anything, bring it to my attention. But, Lord, I just want to be clean before you. God, I don't want anything in my life that brings dishonor to you. So no matter what case we're in today, we can pray this prayer together. So would you just pray right where you're at? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come to you today. Father, I can't pray for these people before I pray for myself first. Father, I don't want there to be anything in my heart that is dark. I don't want there to be anything in my heart that is outside of your touch and your care. I don't want anything hidden. I don't want any dark corner, any recessed place that your light is not reaching. I ask you to cleanse me. Cleanse me in my mind. Cleanse me in my, my body, my thoughts, my soul. Everything that makes me who I am, I pray you would cleanse me, oh God. Cleanse me, oh God. Cleanse me and make me clean and whole and pure before you. I thank you that you came into my life. But Lord, in this journey, I don't want anything else to have crept in. I want to be clean before you. Lord, and I believe that's the heart and the prayer of my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, I pray today for those that are struggling in the name of Jesus. I pray mercy and grace. <laughs> it's fresh for you today, my friend. <laughs> when you got up this morning, you don't have to carry on from yesterday. His mercies are fresh and new today for your life. Friend, if you're dealing with sin, just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, would you cleanse me? Lord Jesus, would you just wash me and make me clean? All across the room, friend, just right where you're at, just pray that prayer. Lord, just wash me. I, I want to be clean before you clean before you. I know I can't do it on my own. I need you. Lord, just make me clean. Make me clean in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for a cleansing in our homes that have been harboring sin, where rooms and areas of our home has been a harboring place for sin. In the name of Jesus, I pray a cleansing will take place in our life. And Lord, it will touch every area of our life. When we go back home today, different people are going back home than what left. Because I believe forgiveness and grace is so strong. So Lord Jesus, I just ask you today that you would cleanse us and wash us. Make us pure. Make us holy before you. Make us holy and pure before you. Holy and pure. Holy and pure. Lord, you said in your word, though sin had stained our lives through the blood of Jesus, you make us white as snow. White, pure, clean. I speak the forgiveness of God over your life. I speak the miracle of grace. 
I speak the miracle of mercy over you today. I speak the cleansing power of Jesus Christ to do what you've not been able to do on your own. I speak the cleansing power of Jesus to cleanse not only your spirit, but your mind. Make you new in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will cause us to be your holy people. Your holy people. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I believe you for it. In the name of of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. We're going to, uh, next week, we're going to be looking at some of the things that what forgiveness really means. You know, sometimes we have a lot of phrases we use in church and we don't often know what all they mean. We're going to talk about what forgiveness really means and what it really brings to our life. He loves you. He cares about you. The Bible says you are the apple of his eye. He is passionate about you. And the Bible says he is for you. And if he's for you, who then can be against you? Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to pray a prayer blessing over you today. Father, I pray the blessing of protection over these people today. Lord, the, the weather's going to be a little messy out there today. I pray protection over them. May the angels of the Lord encamp round about them. Won't you keep them, Father, right in the palm of your hand? I pray, <laughs> I pray the blessing of a never-ending flow of forgiveness into their lives. Every day, mercies are fresh and new. I pray the blessing of grace to sustain us and keep us. I pray the blessing of your hand of provision. Oh, Father, I pray the blessing of your smile. <laughs> I pray your smile would be upon us. I pray the blessing of all your favor. I pray you'll keep us right in the palm of your hand. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. We love you all. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord Jesus today. God bless.